Hi, Julian here with uh, episode number nine of The Resilient Entrepreneur. And uh, we had a super, super interesting topic today, which is a little bit more practical, I think, than what I usually talk about. But it's like the one thing everybody wants to know, and that is how to sell on Amazon. And who better to ask than Dan Carlin, who is making a massive revenue for years on Amazon through the, all the ups and downs. And I'm really happy that he could join us here in this improvised Bali quarantine studio on my balcony. Uh, life <laughs> yeah. is slowly slowing down on the island as well. And the rest of the world is really kind of getting uh, a little bit nuts. But I want to take the next few days that we all have a little bit more time to put some content together that might help other businesses to make it through this rough time. Mm -hmm. Give them the information to open some new uh, sales channels. And um, yeah, I think I found the best person here on the island to talk exactly about that how to be fully digital, how to sell your products, how to build a sales funnel, and how to stay healthy and a happy entrepreneur at the same time. Dan, welcome on the program. Yeah, awesome, thanks for having me. It's, it's good to be here. Great, give us a quick introduction, where are you from? Uh, so I'm originally uh, from Sydney, Australia. Mm -hmm. um, my wife and business partner who uh, is at home with our nine month old baby right now, uh, she's from Norway. So between Monica and I, we are uh, partners in business and in life, but we started this business about six years ago. Amazing. And uh, Dan actually did a great presentation a few days ago. That's, that's where we met exactly on what it takes to sell on mm -hmm. Amazon. And um, there, there's so many things behind that that people don't, you know, are just not aware of. Right. There's so many scams. There's so many ideas, mm -hmm. how easy it might be um, looking at you. It might not be as easy as it sounds. So how did you get into it and what were like your first experiences selling on Amazon? Wow. OK, so. Um uh, I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I've had other businesses. And my previous business before this one was like a, it was a corporate health company where we went into large organizations and sold corporate health programs. And we did health checks on their staff and, and things like that. And um, it basically burnt me out. So it's quite ironic here I was running a health business and I yeah. completely burnt out. And that business had, you know, all the big board structure and investors and all of that stuff. Um, and at the same time, my wife who'd moved from Norway to Australia from me, uh, for me, who wasn't my wife at the time, mm -hmm. um, Sydney just wasn't a fit for her. So yeah. we basically decided we wanted, we wanted to do something else. And what was important to us was being location independent. We didn't want to have to be in a particular city or place or whatever, yeah. which meant working online. And then we looked at um, services or products, physical products. And we decided on physical products because I'd had enough of the service okay. industry and dealing with so many people. Yeah. And I knew with a, with physical products, you could essentially make money while you sleep. Mm -hmm. So that's the path that, uh, that we went down. Yeah. And what brought you to Bali? Uh, well, uh, we actually just decided that um, because we'd had enough for Sydney, we wanted mm -hmm. to start a new business. We basically decided we'd just go somewhere and lock down for a little while and explore and figure out what to, what to build. Yeah. And our plan wasn't to stay in Bali, actually. It was meant to, we were meant to travel the world for a few years, but after a few months, uh, this business really started to take off and we just couldn't handle the travel. Uh, it sounds romantic to be this digital nomad yeah, always traveling like around. Kind of but, yes. Yeah, we like to have a home. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we like the, I think the more conservative type of digital nomads, you know. Yeah, and probably a little bit older digital nomads. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's great. So uh, your first step, you decided you want to have a product, you want to have a physical product, and um, you want to uh, sell it online. You, so how did you come up with your niche? Like what drove you sure. to sell what you're selling and what is it you're selling? Okay, so for us, um, it's, a, it's a funny story actually. In, I've, I'm a big believer of um, when you want to get into something new, as soon as you start thinking about it and manifesting it, if you want to call it that, um, things just start to come in. And so in my inbox, one day in my Gmail, um, came this uh, email that said, learn how to make a million bucks on Amazon. No way. And I was like, all right, yeah. I'll check it out. But I was pretty skeptical, yeah. like I always am with webinars. That's a terrible idea. I've never you, opened one of those. Yeah, you know someone's gonna try to sell you something. So I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Anyway, I watched this webinar and by the end of it, I was the first guy with my credit card out. I think it was $1,000 to buy this program to learn the steps how to sell stuff on Amazon. Yeah. And for me, that was kind of like, why not? I'm gonna give this a shot because I already knew about Amazon, the potential in terms of the scale and all yeah. that kind of thing, but I had no idea how to mm -hmm. choose product, find product, source product, and that's just the front end bit. Then once you got it, how to ship it, get it there, sell it, market it, finance. Quality control, the, all, the, all the things that so come much with stuff. real products. Yeah. yeah. I really want to get away from real products if I can. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah. So what did you pick? What was your, your choice? Um, so yeah, essentially um, we started with, so if I explain how it works uh, on what we learned early on in the Amazon piece was you don't sit down and come up with what you think will be a cool product. You reverse engineer it and do some work upfront to find out on Amazon where the demand actually is. And so the simplest way is being a big search engine, people mm -hmm. type things in, and if people type in the thing many, many, many times, usually show that there's high yeah. demand there. Um, and so for us, we went down water filtration um, mm -hmm. as, our, as our sort of uh, niche. And the reason why um, for us, we wanted to be in health and well-being, so we, we, we wanted to do a health product that was actually good for people. But you, you found that niche through keywords or you wanted to go into water filtration and then defined more tighter the niche you're going in within water filtration? Good question, I'm jumping around. Okay, so what, what the first step um, that we did was we used some tools that plug into the Amazon.com mm -hmm. uh, website essentially and you can put in keywords, anything you want, and it will tell you roughly how many searches a month that keyword gets. Okay. And so in our case, water filter, water filter pitcher, water filter jug, there's a thousand different keywords, but you yeah. only need about 20 keywords okay. that have a half a million searches a month, and that's got a lot of potential. Yeah. So that's a really first step, um, is sort of, you know, discovering what's got, where, where the volume is. Yeah. But then you've got to go and have a look who's already selling because if there's high volume, particularly now, so yeah. we started six years ago. But so no face masks right now that are yes. already saturated. Right? Face masks saturated, yeah. things like yoga mats and you know yeah. those very common uh, yeah. things. That, amazing volume, huge volume, yeah. but you're now going to jump into the arena with people that have been there for up to 10 years. They've got thousands of reviews. Yeah. They've got much deeper pockets. They can be more competitive on pricing because they can buy a lot more than you because they can buy many more units. Yeah. And so what you want to do these days, I think, is um, to basically choose more of a sub-niche. So go deeper than just a, a broad niche. So don't say yoga. Yeah. Think yoga for kids, perhaps. Or you know, you've got to get more, more granular. Yeah. Um, and because Amazon's grown so quick, even the sub-niches still have huge still potential. Yeah. Huge. But I, yeah. I think it's a very interesting point about doing the research first because, you know, when I talk usually about entrepreneurship, I come from running a tech company, right? So I, I always preach, like, do something that you like, you have to do, that you have such a deep commitment that it's going to kill you if you don't, you know, fulfill that vision ultimately. You kind of took a little bit of a different route. And, and that's really one of the key learning points here is that. You know, there are many different ways to start a business that can be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of did your research first and said, listen, you know, is there a market? And what can I provide to this market that people are looking for, but currently not finding, mm -hmm. if I understand that correctly? Yeah, and the, once, we, once we did initially decide, okay, we want to, and when I talk about sub-niche, for us, six years ago, alkaline water was, yeah. was a big thing. It still is now, but it was it was kind of right on the start of it. Did you say point. what alkaline water is? Alkaline water, know. yeah, sure. It's, um, it's basically increasing the pH level of the water so that it helps to balance the pH level in your body. And okay. so a lot of the things that we drink and eat, alcohol, coffee, sugar, fats, um, these things are acidic. Yeah. And the more acidic you are, the more prone to disease, illness, injury you are. So the idea is, is that if you balance your pH level in your body, okay. um, you can basically be more healthy, okay. um, which is extremely relevant for right now uh, with this whole corona business, which I'll tell you about how that's affecting us in a minute. Um, and so, yeah, we that, that alkaline space was, was sort of where we where we started. So you don't yeah. just filter, it's not just like a Brita filter or something like that, you actually add things mm -hmm. to the water as a supplement or something like that too. Yeah, so we focus, on, you want to be. we focus on increasing the pH level. Mm -hmm. We focus removing some bad stuff, which is like your Brita filter. So we remove yeah. chlorine, fluoride, heavy metals, these types of things. Mm -hmm. um, but we also add in minerals and stuff like that. So we, we do the removal, but we also do things to the water to make it, make it healthier. Yeah. yeah. So you said you have a software that kind of shows you all the terms that are ranking right now on mm -hmm. Amazon that people are looking for. You made the decision, say, listen, there's a sub niche where there's a lot of interest, but that is not fully taken yet by a big product. There's still an opportunity there. And then you got your product placed in that niche, right? Yeah, so roughly. Yeah, roughly, a couple of little steps that are mm -hmm. worth mentioning. So once we found the, the keywords that we wanted to go after, so essentially the type of product, yeah. we then went and had a look on Amazon to see who's selling those products mm -hmm. already. Um, and then can we compete? So 
you know, what's their price point? Because you've got to go and buy these products, ship them. There's a whole lot of costs with Amazon. Yeah. You've got to make sure that you can actually make a profit in all of this. Yeah. So once you do the initial look on Amazon to say, okay, the top 10 competitors, I think I can compete with them in terms of reviews, pricing, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then it's time to go and find a supplier yeah. um, for the product or a manufacturer or this type of stuff. And often what happens is you'll go out, source the manufacturer, and then by the time you figure out how much you can buy, you can't actually sell it for a price that you make money. So yeah. you can end up um, moving away from an idea as well. So you kind of really need to quantify it first yeah. before you start placing orders. Yeah. Um, so there's um, a lot of work in that front end part. But but as we said, you, you're not an engineer. So where did the product now come from? So you, you, sure. you defined a niche, you saw there's a market. Yep. Um, you found there's something that's also not just a market, but a market that still has a margin. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many technology products out there these days that it's great, people are still gonna buy it, but you might not make any money on it, right? And one of the fundamentals of economics is that uh, if you lose money on every item you sell, you can make it back in quantity, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, you know, if you're not making money on per product on something like this, and you don't have the economy of scale to maybe bring it down, it's better to just simply step away from it. Mm. So, um, what's the next step? Now you, now you know what people wanna buy, but you're not going to build that thing yourself, right? Yeah, sure. And I think this is this was one of the big eye-opening moments for us early on because what they taught in those very early Amazon courses, and there's loads of Amazon courses out there now. Some of them are really great. Some of them are terrible. Are you um, still watching them? Uh, I've actually, in the last five years, I've still gone in and not the original one, but I've, yeah. I've become part of other Amazon mastermind groups or yeah. courses for more advanced sellers that are further along. And mm -hmm. so there's there's courses out there to suit every step of the journey. Because so obviously someone who's just getting started versus where we're at now, very different needs. Yeah. Um, and so I go seeking things that I need now. Yeah. But oh, I'm always learning. Okay, you're not at that point where like, I, I've done this now for so long. Yes and no. Okay. It's such a dynamic environment and it yeah. changes all the time. But in terms of, in terms of um, uh, that big lesson that we had early mm -hmm. on, which was, you know, do I have to invent this product from yeah. scratch? What they taught in the Amazon courses early on was white labeling. And yeah. so essentially you go out, you find a supplier wherever in the world that you find mm -hmm. the supplier. In our case, uh, China, yeah. um, and that's, a, that's the case for a lot of products obviously around the world. And we'd found essentially an off the shelf product. Mm -hmm. We tweak it a little bit, put our logo on and sell it. So in our case with the water filters, the first products we did, the main body of the, of the product, so let's call it, a, let's say the jug or the mm -hmm. pitcher, um, it was a, uh, the body of the product was standard, the yeah. lid was standard, but the filter materials we tweaked mm -hmm. and we're not engineers, we're not scientists, but yeah. we worked with labs to basically say, this is what we want our filter to do yeah. based on the US market needs and you know, we research water mm -hmm. and things like that. And then we basically, yeah, create some nice packaging and start selling it. Yeah. That works great early on. These days on Amazon, I think you need to do a little bit more customization than that. Yeah. Um, because it's very easy for people to copy you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the big threat. People yeah. have, you put a product out there. Um, even Amazon themselves. What, even <laughs> Amazon themselves? They yeah, put out their own products? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty well known. Uh, they've got brands called Amazon Basics, which has several brands in it. And what okay. they'll do is they spend, they've got all the data in the world because yeah, exactly. they, have, they own the platform. Yeah. So they will watch and learn. That's and then rude. when they find an amazing product that yeah is really easy to deal with. Yeah. They can buy cheaply. And I know, know of stories where, I've heard of stories where essentially they can go out and buy the production for a certain type of product yeah. for the next five years and just wipe everyone out. Yeah. In our case with water filtration, um, I think that it's a little bit technical, requires mm -hmm. a lot of customer service. I just think it's, so Amazon do bottled Tedious. water. Yeah. They do high pH bottled water. Yeah. But actual filters, I just don't think it's for them because yeah. there's too much involved. They want yeah. things that they can just sell sure, yeah. at you know, high volume. So you got the product out of China. Um, now the big hurdle now that a lot of people have is how much of that stuff do you have to buy up front in order to be mm -hmm. able to order from China, to be on Amazon even, I mean, you should be stocked, right? It, it doesn't make sense if you just have like two items and want to sell them on, it's yeah. better to go to eBay or something else. Um, what is the process now? You sign up to the Amazon website mm -hmm. and you say, listen, I'm, I'm Yep. I'm Dan yep. and I want to do this water filter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. You can still do this now. You just go to Amazon and open an account uh, and that gives you access to the back end, which they call Seller Central. And there's a Seller Central in the US, Canada, Europe, uh, you know, all the various European platforms, Germany, yeah. France, Italy, Spain, now the Netherlands, you know, 
It's everywhere. And you can actually link them all now. But once you sign up for one, mm-hmm. it's a small subscription fee for, a, I think they call it a professional account still, which is about 80 US dollars a month. Okay. And then um, you can basically send inventory to the FBA, which is fulfillment by Amazon, Amazon's yeah. warehouses, okay. which is one of the big attractions to selling on Amazon when you start. Yeah. because. You basically don't have to deal with, apart from getting the product from China to US, Europe, or wherever, yeah. that's the only logistics you have to do. Getting the product to the end customer mm-hmm. is handled by Amazon. And you don't, if I understand correctly, you don't have the product sold at that point. You kind of stockpile in an Amazon warehouse for your future buyers. And yeah. It's part of their service. Right? And yeah. And the, in, the inventory side of it, I've got to say, like, I'll tell you our story in a little bit about where we are right now, but inventory in this business is everything because if you run out of inventory your rankings drop your sales drop it's you must stay in stock however it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing so if you're a brand new person at this you might buy let's say 200 units of a product yeah you ship it from china it takes a month then you start selling it and you might sell one unit a day and you think i have 200 days worth of stock at one unit a day all of a sudden you're selling five a day you now only have 30 days but to produce and ship in your orders two months so you kind of need to, this is why that, that work up front to choose the right product yeah. with the right amount of volume. And there's tools out there that tell you exactly what the other sellers on the page are making in terms of sales. So you can, you can actually do your forecasting based on tools that already exist out there. Okay. Um, so you do think that, that you know, people when they come to Amazon are already much more focused on making a purchase than let's say a regular web search, right? Oh, 100%. So, Google people are, for, are interested in learning and exploring. Yeah. People go to Amazon to shop, to just straight buy, up right? ready to and buy. They know what, what they want to do. Yeah. So um, do you feel in that sense that this is all about kind of the keyword and having the right product? Does brand make for you different? I mean, do people come back specifically to you or mm-hmm. do they just look for the same product no matter who offers the cheapest in the, the marketplace? Yeah, it's a good question. For us early on, I actually think the brand didn't really matter much at all. It was all about learning how to rank your product at the top of that Amazon search. So if someone searches water filter, the 80% of the sales go to the top three. It's kind of like when you do a Google search, you don't really click on it even the second page. You might go through the top few uh-huh. and that's it. So that was the story a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But now, because there's so many sellers and there's so many rubbish products and so much poor quality and all of that kind of stuff, if, if you have a good brand, strong products, all of that kind of stuff, that really does help, especially yeah. with something like a health product, like a water filter. People need to trust it. Yeah. People that buy our products are gonna come back and buy the filters over and over. Mm-hmm. So we do have the repeat customers. So for us, brand building is really important. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're starting an Amazon business now, the way I look at it is it's not an Amazon business. Amazon's just the channel to distribute. It's no yeah. different from being someone who sells product to a, to a wholesaler or a distributor. Mm-hmm. It's just a sales channel. But the reason why Amazon's so powerful yeah. is they already have all the traffic. If you want to try and build a Shopify store, yeah. you, you've got, you start your Shopify store with zero traffic. There's nobody there. You need yeah. to get it all from the internet before yeah. you make a sale. Yeah. Amazon charges you a lot of money for the privilege, but the volume's there. So as long as you do your numbers right, Sky's the limit. But if, if we think of like an Amazon, you know, platform now, it's, it's like a storefront, right? You, mm-hmm. It's almost like going to a mall, right? Yeah. And you look very specific, like you have one mall that only has the one product that you're looking for. Um, you do think that like the ultimately uh, driving factor of the consumer that comes to the website is specifically the product they're looking for and price. It is less kind of like, who are you buying from? Do they trust Amazon and, and, and yeah. how, how important are um, ratings for you, for example, reviews, mm. all this kind of things that give you credibility? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Amazon's kind of changed the world when it comes to e-commerce and it depends also where in the world you are. So in the US, it's Amazon. Like to try and even get a, a small percentage of traffic to our website yeah. is almost impossible because Amazon's so dominant in the US. So the, the statistics are huge. Amazon has something like in the US, 80% of all e-commerce sales, period, which, you know, it's just huge. So to get even a, a small percentage, it's almost impossible. To give you an example, we run paid advertising. Mm-hmm. I end up running paid advertising against Amazon yeah. and I end up competing for my, on my own products. Yeah. <laughs> which, which was there to understand that 
Amazon takes part of your money to advertise your product if it fits the customer on Google already, right? Or how does that happen? Yeah, essentially. So um, Amazon, even though they have tons and tons and tons of traffic already, yeah. they still go purchase traffic. They yeah. want to be number one. They, they want to be the biggest in the world. Yeah. They want to dominate, yeah. So they, um, when it comes to Amazon fees, which I think is what you're asking there, there's two things they charge you for. Selling on the platform, mm -hmm. it depends on the category you're in, but for us it's 15% of our sale price. 15%. 15% okay. flat fee. Then they charge you the fulfillment cost, which is the shipping. Yeah. But I don't even really consider that because if you had to you do to that through your own else. warehouse, yeah. and I can tell you Amazon's cheaper than anyone. We've yeah. tried to do it ourselves. It's impossible. Amazon's so cheap when it comes to shipping because obviously they ship so much stuff. Yeah. Their prices are so competitive. Yeah. Um, but in terms of um, different countries, it's, it's, uh, it's taking longer. So on our Shopify platform, we actually focus on the other big English-speaking countries. So yeah. we focus on um, Australia in particular because even though Amazon's there, Australia doesn't trust Amazon there because the shipping's slow, the platform's not really working, yeah. the product selection's really limited. Mm -hmm. um, we also focus on the UK, even though the UK is huge already in Amazon, yeah. uh, and then uh, places like Germany, actually. Yeah. And, and do you run that all from one account? I mean, if you have a seller account on one Amazon store, you can ship into any country, or do you need a separate account per country that you're operating? Yeah, at? so you open a US account, North America account, so that gives you Mexico, uh, the US, and Canada, mm -hmm. and then you open a UK, Europe account, which yeah. covers those, and then if you want to, there's separate for Singapore, but then you can link them all. So okay. there might be several fees, mm -hmm. uh, like monthly fees, but to be honest, the, the $80 a month fee, even for a beginner, won't take you long to be just absorbing yeah. that. It's a very tiny cost. Um, one very practical thing, because I mean, we work globally and we, we spend a lot of time trying to ship things rather than getting things mm. from customs. And, and as you say, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big pain in the ass. And if you can stay out of it, it's probably the best way to do it, right? Um, what is the back end of this? Let's say you sell into different countries you have different tax rates, you have, mm. you know, it, it can be a nightmare. And it's like, we do big products yeah. and it's a nightmare, but we might only sell one to one country at a time, right? Yeah. So we can still figure it out. If you, let's say you sell, I don't know how many, how many products you ship per day, just to have an idea. Uh, right now, uh, let's, I, I would say pre-virus, pre-virus, it was probably 400 orders a day, yeah. four, 500 orders a day. So if you have 500 orders a day dispersed over 10 different countries, yeah. Um, does Amazon take care of that for you? Do you just kind of get one invoice and everybody gets an automatic tax? No, or unfortunately. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, that would be almost too good to be true. It's right? country by country. So in the US, um, it's country by country. Places like um, Europe and the EU are actually easier because they have basically a federal sales tax. Yeah. So in the UK, VAT is 20% and in Germany it's 19 or 21. And it's yeah. pretty similar around that 20% all across Europe. Yeah. Um, the US, on the other hand, does sales tax at a state level and even a county level. Yeah. And so if Amazon puts your stuff in lots of their warehouses in many states like they do, you oh, could okay. have sales tax compliance in many, many, many states. And it's a big thing at the moment. All the states around the US are um, basically got Amazon in court and other, other big platforms trying to figure out whether it's the seller's responsibility to collect and remit sales tax yeah. or the platform. So the, the compliance around it, it started off pretty easy a few years ago, yeah. but it's definitely, as the world's trying to figure out how to tax e-commerce and make sure they're getting their piece, yeah. um, there's constant regulatory hoops. So for me now, I have a team that operationally runs the business, but I'm dealing with those issues and try and stay ahead of the curve. And you know, I can give you an example where Germany actually um, changed the rule with Amazon where we used to be able to hold our inventory in the UK, mm -hmm. and if someone from Germany bought on Amazon DE, we would ship it from UK yeah. to, the, to the German customer, mm -hmm. and we would pay the VA tax in the UK. Okay. And that, that was fine. Once you hit a certain threshold, which is 100,000 euros a year, yeah. you then have to register in Germany. But Germany changed the rule recently and said, we don't care about the thresholds or any of that now. If you're selling to a German customer, you need a German tax certificate and collect and pay in Germany. Okay. But they gave no warning. So yeah. we lost our German account for two months at roughly a thousand euros a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, Germany is a small market for yeah. us until we got our tax cert because when they announced that, you can imagine literally thousands and thousands of Amazon sellers, we all submitted our tax ac yeah. uh, application to the German government yeah. and you ended up in a huge queue. A while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is really fascinating. So when you, when you run, I said we, we had the one software that you used to get the keywords, then you just need the seller account 
nothing else really involved. You got your supplier in China that mm -hmm. actually got you the white label product. You had that shipped to the US, I'm just guessing, stuck your own logo on it, mm -hmm. and then simply started selling. Um, so we said, you know, you have to tax wise, it's getting a little bit more complicated. How do you run the accounting for it uh, yeah. in the back end? Is it, is it in-house or do you have special software for it? A bit of both. So we use, um, basically we have, so the money all comes in from the various Amazon accounts every couple of weeks. Yeah. So every two weeks Amazon pays you and it's coming in in all these different currencies. Mm -hmm. So we've got to take all that into, we use like a, um, like a, we call it like a currency sort of forwarding service yeah. that gives us really good rates. And the bigger you get and the more you sell, the more aggressive you can get with them on the rates they give you. Yeah. Um, and we have it all go into our accounting software um, with a connection that connects to our Amazon account. So it's all kind of automated between Amazon and QuickBooks, yeah. which is the accounting software we use. Mm -hmm. But then I have a two-man team that are full-time doing everything from inventory management through to ordering through to quality control, shipping, logistics, and then of course the finance and accounting. Yeah. But when you start, you can basically do it yourself or you yeah. could use an outsourced account and then things like that. It's, it's, the good thing about it is um, you can scale it as fast or as slow as you like, um, but you can start really slowly and learn it and that's mm -hmm. what I'd definitely advise people to do. Yeah, when you start now, um, and I say a lot of digital marketing things we talk about, right? They, and, and we're a little bit older, you know, it's a, it used to be a lot easier, right? Let's put mm -hmm. it that way. If you had a website 20 years ago, you put it online and like literally people would show up yeah. and look at your blog. And then you like, if you, they would call you up and say, listen, you made a typo, right? Now, just because you put something online, you know, the odds that somebody's going to see it yeah. are very slim. As I say, you know, the, the safest spot to put any file right now is on YouTube and not promote it <laughs> because like, we get 30 server attacks per day, yeah. you know, while nobody watches my YouTube video if I don't promote it, yeah. right? The simple as that. So. Um, if you're coming now in as a newcomer and say, listen, I have a product that I'd maybe already be selling offline or that I've been selling maybe through my own web shop, it's not working, I want to make Amazon of my part of my distribution mm -hmm. channel. How hard is it now to get a product into the market if you have no following right now and you obviously have no reviews, which mm -hmm. I think from our previous start, reviews are also a big factor yeah. of how you're ads are ranked because you still have to spend money on placing that product mm -hmm. if you want anybody to find it. Yeah. Right? So the first thing to understand about um, all the big platforms, whether it's Amazon, eBay, Walmart, Sears, and we sell on all of them now, yeah. but Amazon's still definitely the biggest. And what you got to understand about these platforms is that Amazon cares about making maximum dollars. Yeah. That's what they're interested in. They want to yeah. make money. So they will always show the product at the top of the page that is going to make them the most money. Okay. They also want to serve the customer. So they're trying to give the, whatever the person puts in that search, they want to show them the most relevant product, mm -hmm. but also the one that's going to make Amazon the most money. So um, pricing is really important. Amazon's algorithm, if, it, if Amazon's algorithm determines water filter jug should be around 50 bucks and you yeah. put yours at 70, your ranking's down. Yeah. So sometimes being the most premium product actually doesn't help you. Yeah. On Amazon, what works really well is kind of being in the middle um, and a bit of a sweet spot. So for us, all of our products are under 100 US dollars. Yeah. The products are so really great, 40 to 60 bucks. That's yeah. the sweet spot because people are happy to spend that that level of money. Mm -hmm. But if you've, like you said, you've got a great product, you put it up on Amazon and day one, if you search under the keyword that you're hoping to rank for, you're probably gonna find yourself on page five, six, 10, yeah. nowhere. Yeah. You will not make a sale. Yeah. So what you really need to learn is how to get the product to rank. Mm -hmm. And so this is where studying, doing one of those courses is really helpful and learning about the Amazon algorithm. Do you, do you have one of those courses for yourself by any chance? Or? I, I, no. Might be time to take one. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I've, considered, I've, been, I've, I've yeah. considered building one yeah. um, actually because yeah, there's, I've ended up doing a lot of courses because not any one of them was perfect. So there's great bits about each one. So you might yeah. find yourself doing several, but you can do one to get started. But um, but there's so many things you can do. I mean, you can do multiple courses. Like, oh yeah, there's so much out there. It's okay. just so huge. If you just search, if you just Google search Amazon course, how to sell on Amazon course, it goes all day. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, it's not just as simple as just, as you say, putting up the product. No. Um, I said there's a certain algorithm behind it that we're just kind of guessing probably what it is right now, yeah. but it, 
it, it benefits the customer of giving them what they're looking for as yeah. closely as possible, while at the same time making maximum money for yeah. Amazon. And it probably has issue telling quality unless the quality is documented in, in reviews. Uh, so this is right. a, this has two sides to that. So the first thing, um, you've actually got to actively launch a product. So you need to get a lot of sales and you need to get a lot of reviews to be able to get the rankings. Problem is, all those things work together. Yeah. So if you don't get the reviews, you don't get the sales, you don't get the reviews. And if you don't get the sales, you don't get the ranking. Yeah. And so you've kind of got to do things uh, to make that happen. So you need to find ways to generate sales yourself yeah. early on. Um, and you need to find ways to generate reviews as quickly as possible. And it's getting harder because you used to be able to do what they call incentivized reviews a few mm-hmm. years ago. So there were platforms out there where you could go to that company and say, here's 500 of my product. I want you to give those away to people at 20 units per day yeah. in return for a review. So you essentially would just hand over a bunch of stock to get the reviews. Yeah. Amazon shut all that down because it wasn't fair because it then became a game of who had the deepest products, yeah, who exactly. could give away give up the most products. Yeah, yeah, and so Amazon shuts those sorts okay. of things down and new, new ways, new marketing strategies come up all the time. Amazon shut them down, new ones shut them down. So they, mm. keep, they keep improving their terms of service and, the, and what you can and can't do. Yeah. And, and, the, and the idea behind it is to make it a more level fair platform. And what that means, this is why you have to constantly re-educate and constantly learn new things because every time you think you've got to figure it figured out, something changes. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how it works. But it also brings the benefit again, and we talk about this quite often, is like it's, it's you know, as I try to explain, there was a time when like technology was king, right? You need to have a website. Mm. And there was a time when content was king, yeah. um, which ended a few years back. Now content promotion actually is king, that you have a great product that can be sold as kind of a given. Yeah. Like nobody really cares about it because another 100 people are selling the same product, basically, somewhere in the world. It was different 10, 15 years ago when, mm. when, when all these channels were new. But now it's really all about, you know, how well you can promote that channel that you have. And that's where the importance can come in if mm. that helps you, if you have an existing follower base, for example. You know, if you have yeah. 20, 50,000 followers on Instagram, and you can get them motivated to be excited about your product on day one it can help you rank. It can yeah. get you the traction yeah. that you need to get traction, which sure. is the most bizarre thing yeah. at this point. How deeply involved are you in other social media channels? Are you doing all of this ad-based? Because I think that's so what for, we're going back to. For us, we really focused on Amazon's organic ranking and yeah. we focused on the Amazon advertising. So within Amazon itself, there is a load of different ways you can advertise, whether it's what they call sponsored products, which is the first few listings that come up mm-hmm. above all the others. You pay for those spots. But again, Amazon, even if you bid the most money to get your ad shown, Amazon will only show it if they think they'll make money off the back of that. So when you're starting out, it's really hard to get the top ad placements. And again, comes back to you need to generate your own sales and reviews. But there's a whole lot of other um, ad placements as well. But we we basically didn't go near social media um, in those early years. We do now. Now we run Facebook ads. But we're still not really focused on growing our social channels. To be completely honest, we do it through paid paid traffic, yeah. um, Amazon's Amazon's platform on advertising is 30% of our business globally. So 30% of our sales come from ad placements. It's a okay. big part of the business. Okay, so you, you actually, you're buying advertisement for your mm-hmm. product through the Amazon platform. Yeah, and there's this, it's self-service, so you can actually start doing it yourself. Yeah. But as you get lots of products and you start bidding on more and more keywords, um, to do it well, what, what it basically becomes is a game of Early, early on, to give you an example, I, I self-taught myself how to do all of this. And for a few years, I spent a lot of money on advertising, but it's full of highs and lows. Yeah. So for example, I might be spending $2 to get $1 back, so you're actually losing money all day yeah. long. Mm-hmm. With advertising, obviously the trick is, is to spend a dollar, make $4. Yeah. Very, very hard to do consistently. Yeah. And so these days, we, we hire external marketing agencies. They've got targets to meet. They get paid based on hitting certain targets. So these days, um, we usually get at a bare minimum $3 back for every dollar we spend. So if we spend 50 grand on ads in a month, we get 150,000 in sales back from that. And, Which that's sounds our, great. Just remember that that's <laughs> only added on cost. Right? I mean, this is not, you know, this is cost. not profit right now. You still have to pay for the product and the shipment and the service and the, and the margin fees. and the Amazon fees and everything. Because it always yeah. sounds great that so we invest one, we make three, but uh, you know, what do you think is a good profit margin? I mean, if you yeah. take that cost out? Good question. So, 
And, and you're, you're really right on this too, because what you'll get with a lot of these Amazon gurus online, if you watch YouTube or anything like that, they'll all brag about their sales number. They'll yeah. tell you our revenue is millions per year and they get all excited yeah, about it. Let's get you shit. Profit's the number we exactly. want, right? Yeah. So um, the way we look at it, first of all, two profits. So gross profit, that's the other one the gurus love to talk about, yeah. which is usually just take out the cost of goods you pay for the product, the international shipping, and then the other one that should come above that is anything that's 30% of your business or more, yeah. which is Amazon. So between Amazon shipping and uh, commission, that's about 30%. So yeah. we take out those costs, mm -hmm. and then we try to shoot for a minimum of a 40% gross profit, yeah. um, but we more like 50, and some of our newer products we get 60 because we do our we now do our own design and engineering, mm -hmm. and you know, so we've we've developed in how we how we do it. Yeah. Then you got to take out all of the advertising costs, your marketing agencies, your own team, everything else that goes on in your business. Yeah. And so for, for, they say that in e-commerce, you should be able to do a good 20%, 25% net profit in your pocket. I can tell you from experience, that's harder, harder to do hard, than, yeah. than what they said. So we typically, we've had, gosh, I would say we shoot for these days 20, hmm. but when we get that, it's the exception. So yeah. I would say if, if you expect a 10 to 15% net profit yeah. for a business that's trying to scale aggressively, um, that would be a good result. Because whenever you're trying to grow, um, which for the last five, six years, we've launched several products each year. So we've yeah. got 40 products in the line. So all the money that we've made goes straight back into more product. We're being super aggressive to try and be one of the top guys in, in our space. Um, and that costs a lot of money. And so for several years, we basically ran at a very, very skinny profit margin, but we didn't care because we wanted the size. Now we have the size, I'm all about focused on cost management, great ad performance. We're not launching any products this year. I'm purely about good profitability. Yeah. So it changes depending um, where you are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're so, running a tech company. I'm, I'm glad if you don't lose a million a month, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> about as, so, it's kind of like as good as our life yeah. used to be. For, for people yeah. though that want this lifestyle, they're yeah. like living, you know, living wherever they want to live. And yeah. you know, um, I'll, I'll, it's quite funny. The, the goal that my wife and I set for ourselves was to get to 100,000 US dollars a month in sales mm -hmm. with a 20% net profit, 20 grand a month, 240 a year. We thought that's great. We can live very, very nicely on yeah. that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we hit that target a long time ago and then you just, you want more and more. So it all depends on what your goals are, but there is a way to get a really good profitability if you're willing to, um, basically happy with a certain growth point. But as long as you're trying to grow, margins are going to be skinnier. Yeah. Uh, two things that I thought was very interesting in your speech that kind of shocked me that people forget. First of all, if you put all these margins together in your business plan, calculate them first. Um, because you know, if you if you figure out you have a thirty percent margin and then you need to spend thirty percent on ads, uh, on ads <laughs> you know, it's, it's a terrible calculation, and you just found yourself a very expensive hobby. Yeah. Um, with a very high risk. So Another just, reason to do the courses. Exactly. These courses will show you simple templates that say, okay, this is where you put your what you want to sell it for. These are the costs you need to take out. What are you left with? Yeah. And then what I always do is do three scenarios. So I do the what I think is going to happen the, the in the middle scenario optimistic what I'd love to happen yeah. and then what happens if it really doesn't work as well as I hope and then that way you've sort of covered all bases and I think if you can make if it still works at the pessimistic view like yeah. the sort of if it doesn't work as well as I hope mm -hmm. then it's good to go but if you really need it to work at the optimistic it's probably not going to be the right product exactly for you. yeah and again as we look at all different kind of business this is classically a business that that you self-fund or yeah. maybe in a small group um, it's not something you know that's that's very interesting generally to investors because it has a very limited uh, margin for it's all not going to go up thousands of percents every single year. So um, you know it's really important to kind of make money from the first product and then kind of grow from there and choose very wisely what you bring to market, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like for Monica and I, uh, we went into this business without wanting any sort of investors or external funding. These days though, it is pretty easy to get funding. So you can get funding from Amazon themselves. For the product. Uh, yeah, because yeah. what happens is, is um, uh, as you start to make sales, they basically say, okay, you're making 10,000 sales a month. We're happy to lend you 10,000 over a year at this interest yeah. rate. So they've got their own financing. Okay. So does PayPal, so does Shopify. Okay. Um, we use at the, that money platform I talked about, we use one called Currency, which is spelled X-I-E on the end and that, one suits us because it's a uh, Hong Kong based and we're a Hong Kong parent company. Okay. But um, 
those guys actually do really good funding with us. So what we do is if we want to launch four products, mm-hmm. that's a big investment because not that's only do we need yeah. all the stock, and now that we know what sort of numbers we do, we don't really buy in 100 or 200. We yeah. buy full container loads yeah. now, even from the first order, because we know when I launch something now, I know it's going to work. There's yeah. no question anymore. It's, it's just how well it's going to work, but it yeah. will work. Yeah. Um, how long would you say until they're interested in working with you? I mean, what needs your track record? Uh, it's, it's really just... If you're if, so with that particular platform, currency. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're moving money from through them consistently, let's say for six to twelve months, okay. they would then consider it. So if you can get the money together to launch your first product and then start making, let's say, ten to twenty thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll ask for access to your Amazon account. They already know how much money Amazon's paying you because yeah. you're moving it through their platform. They will basically um, loan you money against your inventory. So they'll want to know. Yeah. how much you're generating in sales mm-hmm. and how much inventory you have. Yeah. And they'll do a calculation to tell you what they'll lend you. inventory is at Amazon anyway, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you sign, a, you sign a contract saying that if you mess, if you don't pay them back, they own your inventory. Yeah. But it, they're pretty, pretty good pretty though. They, deal. But they lend, you the, they lend you an amount that you, know, is, that you know you can pay back. Yeah. Um, and so we actually didn't need any funding until last year. We had a huge issue very late 2018, yeah. which Nelly basically wiped us out. And get there in a second is a great story. Yeah. Uh, the one number I still want to hear from you again, though, is if you launch a new product, you know, not just putting it online, um, how much do you have to invest into ranking mm. a good product to yeah. the point that anybody finds it on the store? Yeah, good question. So it really does depend on the product. So if it's a if it's a product, and it depends on the, the price of the product, also the demand of the product, you know, because some people, you know, if you've, some people might choose to go out after a big product straight away. You choose the yoga mat example. You'd be crazy to do yeah. yoga mats. But if you wanted to go there, mm. you would need some serious cash to try to get to the first page of that keyword yoga mat. Yeah. But if you were to try and do something like, you know, uh, I don't know, dog collar for small dog keyword, mm-hmm. then maybe you don't need anywhere near as deep. But to give you an example, um, Monica and I launched our first product with 10,000 US dollars, and that included doing our course buying the first bit of inventory, setting up the Amazon account, doing some advertising, getting yeah. the early reviews. However, these days, um, for where we're at in our business, where we're buying larger quantities, we would probably spend at least 20,000 on the first order, just the inventory alone, probably even more, depending on the cost of the product. Yeah. Um, and then the marketing would be that again. Yeah. So we usually budget 50K now to launch a product. Yeah. But that's amazon.com. If you're in other parts of the world, for I'm gonna use Germany as the yeah. example, um, you don't need anywhere near that level of money because the volume's not there. So, yeah. you know, um, to give you really rough numbers, uh, you know, we do not even a 10th on Amazon Germany than we do in the US, um, you know, and it's- Not just the numbers, also in-, in Percentage of sales yeah. and basically, and, and because, because obviously there's, there's less people buying, there's less competition, yeah. there's less savvy marketers, there is mar- there's no marketing agencies or not many marketing agencies that will help you with that country. So Exactly. Again, something we talked about, secondary markets are really still the opportunity. It's a great if opportunity. If you want to sell, yeah. if you have to sell into the US, it's very difficult. Everything costs a lot of money. Google ads, Facebook ads, you're going to spend mm-hmm. a lot of money on everything. Uh, the moment you go into secondary industrialized countries, it, it drops. I was, in my experience, like ninety percent. Yeah, uh, I can run this. You know, I can reach somebody for fifty cents via Facebook in Germany and get a good link. The same link uh, lead in the U.S. would cost me maybe ten dollars. Yeah, it, in the meantime, so it has gotten out of control. If you're a local language speaker in whatever country you come from, keep using Germany as the example. I would definitely suggest start on Amazon Germany because. Yeah. One of the things that, um, remember this is a, based on search. So if you're German, you know what German people are gonna search for a particular product versus me who's putting in, uh, you know, I'm going to Google Translate, putting in water filter yeah. and hoping that that word's gonna work on Germany, yeah. on, on Amazon DE. Yeah. So we spend thousands with an agency in Germany who translates, mm-hmm. not only translates, but localizes uh, the listing so that they make sense for Germans and okay. work well. Yeah. And then over time we work with them and improve it. So we spend a lot of money, but if you're someone who speaks the language and knows the market, start from there, right? yeah, that's the place to start. Yeah. You know, um, Amazon.com in particular in the US is the tough one. Yeah. If you want an English speaking one to go after, try the UK, try Canada. No, anything in general, if you have to spend money on ads, uh, US gets incredibly expensive. Yeah. Germany is just a fraction of that. Yeah. And, and if you even have a product, like you know, we're here in Indonesia that you can sell within Indonesia, uh, buying, you know, 
Facebook ads for the Indonesian market is like three cents per click. Right? Yeah, it's it's almost free. So uh, maybe this this the, the the later they are kind of in the evolutionary stages of online commerce, um, that's still where the markets are. Yeah. Because you know if you do something like this in the U.S. and you have a product and unless it's something super unique and there's just not a lot of unique things out there left in the world. Yeah. Uh, to be quite, at least nothing that really people want or know that they want. Yeah. Um, it just has become incredibly competitive. Right. So, but uh, again, very important just to remember you need traction in order to get traction. And this is a big part of the money you spend. You want to have enough inventory yeah. to get started. You want to have the ad spending ready in order to kind of get yourself the boost to get into the first. What do you would say? How many, in the, how many top spots do you need to be to be relevant? Uh, look, um, Amazon's so big now. I used to say top three. You want to be in the top three. However, the, if you're in that top one or two spots, you're also open to a lot of attacks. There's a lot of people trying to take you off that spot. Okay. So it's actually pretty good these days to be in the top five to 10 because you're still very highly ranked. You will get sales, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be super competitive on price. You're not getting attacked. So the chances are you can be more profitable. You can grow more uh, slowly because what happens when you go from a number 20, even on page one to a number two, your sales go through the roof. And if you're not ready for that with more inventory, you won't stay at number two for long because you'll run out of stock and you drop back down. Right. And then it's hard to get back up again. Is, is there anything on Amazon like limited editions that I kind of prepare them for? Say so I only have 3,000 of these things to sell, for example, and then it's going to be done for this year that doesn't penalize you? No, because it's just the way it works is sales velocity. So the more consistent and the bigger sales yeah, yeah, are, yeah. right. Because the thing is, even if you can imagine there's there's 100, let's say 20 water filters on the first page, they all look pretty similar. Let's say I'm number one. If my product gets suspended, someone takes me out, whatever, Amazon doesn't lose a dime because all that happens is you my product goes away and the next guys go up. So yeah. Amazon never lose. In yeah. this. That's, that's, that's the genius of Amazon. It's amazing. It's, it's absolutely brilliant <laughs> what they created there and it's only yeah. going to get bigger um, right now. So. You're up there, you're doing the, um, you try to defend that position uh, mm. that you have up there. Um, how about other distribution channels right now? Do you think there's anything else even worth touching? Or would you say if you're a small company and you have a new product, get good on Amazon, forget everything else right now? Or are you at a point now where you almost feel Amazon might be saturated? Mm. You want to go maybe different direction, diversify your sales channels? It's definitely super competitive, but I wouldn't say it's saturated. It keeps growing and growing. Uh, there's still a lot of opportunity there, but you need to yeah. spend the time up front to find that opportunity. It's not as easy as it was. Yeah. Um, but I do think the diversification is a good idea now. So we've had several situations over the years where um, you know, you end up heavily leveraged with Amazon, where all of your eggs are in one basket, basically, and yeah. Amazon control that switch to their platform. So you can have things that happen to get a product shut down, even your whole account shut down, and it can cripple your entire business. And so what we've, we definitely focused on Amazon for those first few years very aggressively. Now we have several channels, but Amazon's still a huge part of it yeah. because of how we started. Would I do it differently? Probably not just because you wouldn't get the scale that we've gotten on another platform. I, yeah. I just don't believe I could have done it any other way because it, there's a lot of different things you've got to do in this business and you're wearing a lot of different hats. So if you're someone who's a marketing ninja, maybe you could do really well on your own Shopify channel. Um, But usually someone's really good at either the product development side or they're good at the finance part. This is why it works well with my wife, Monica. So she's she's our product development guru. She's the girl who, you know, um, figures out what the product's gonna be. I I did that initial research part, and so I think we should do this type of product. But now that we have our niche and our brand, I don't need to say that to her anymore. She'll go out and just build products. Um, And then it's my job to make them work financially, but then also do the marketing and stuff. And they're very different skill sets. I'd hate to do what she does. Our products would probably be terrible if I yeah. built them. If she had to run the day to day, the detail and the numbers, she'd probably we'd be broke by now. Yeah. So it's it's kind of one of those things that to go out and try and do many channels at once, I think is a bad idea, but maybe a couple of channels. So for us now, our Shopify store is about uh, maybe maybe about 10% of our business, I'd like it to be 30. Mm-hmm. So my goal for this year is to get it to 20. And so this is the first year I'm really aggressively pushing that. We have gone out and been invited onto platforms like Walmart, which is an invitation only, you can't just go there. Mm-hmm. But 
it was meant to be the next big thing behind Amazon. They're the only ones that are big enough to take on Amazon. For us in our niche, there just isn't the volume of buyers there. So Walmart's tiny for us, but it's easy. Once you've got your product listings, your photography, your products, it's very easy to put them on Walmart, eBay, all these other platforms. And it's just then how much attention you give them. Um, But but you do stay out, let me just repeat that, out of, you're not doing a lot of other social media right now to drive traffic to your website. I've never seen your Medium articles or your YouTube channel or maybe yeah. just missing on that. It's, it's, it has not been a focus of yours. So. Yeah, so no. So we're about to, in two weeks' time, I'm about to do our first bunch of product videos ever. In okay. six years, we've managed to go without any video content. That's remarkable. Um, and that's because using Amazon, the traffic's already there. Yeah. Now, though, Amazon sellers are so savvy, they're doing video content, and Amazon now allows video content on your product listing, so now we're doing product yeah. video. So we just hadn't, hadn't um, needed it, yeah. and we also do it all with paid ads. So you don't need to have a 1,000, or let's, you don't need 100,000 followers on Facebook to run very successful Facebook ads. Yeah, that's true. All you need is, a, you know, we do have a, all of our social channels, and we post regularly, but it doesn't drive much sales. Yeah. We drive sales through advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting because a very unique strategy, I would say, um, than what we usually have on the program because we talk usually a lot about brand building and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, but you have gone one further step now with your product. So you started, you went to China. Uh, that was the very beginning. So at this point, um, you are investing more into your own brand. You are doing your own products. Yeah, yeah. And um, literally like coming up with an idea and taking the idea from idea to market through manufacturing everything else, correct? Yeah, yeah, so it's a combination of, so to give you an example, actually I'm holding one right here, my beautiful, my personal water bottle. So this is our pH active water bottle. Um, we basically first brought out a plastic water bottle several years ago that has a filter inside it mm-hmm. um, that did all this great stuff. That product still sells really, really well today, but then we listened to the market over the time and it was, we don't want plastic, we want something stronger. Um, even a plastic bottle like ours that's made out of Tritan, really good quality plastics, it still gets hot if you leave it in the car. Yeah. So we took all of those learnings and said, okay, let's develop our own stuff. Mm-hmm. So for example, this water bottle has two walls of steel. So yeah. it's, it's uh, insulated. insulated yeah. um, it's extremely light, mm-hmm. super durable, super strong, powerful filter inside it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of bulletproof. I love it personally for yeah. traveling. We also have a glass one. Mm-hmm. which for me, I would never use it because it's breakable. Yeah. Um, but Some we sell thousands that. of them. They love it. Yeah, if you're someone who wants to just sit it in your office and it looks beautiful, yeah. that's fine. But for me, active guy traveling, riding around on motorbikes, this is but the again, thing. I, I don't see a big big logo or something like that. This, yeah, this, 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 no, so that's our logo there, Invigorated Water. I haven't even okay. said the company's name yeah, since we've been on the show. So invigoratedwater.com if you want to have a look. But one, I don't like overbranding, so especially on something like a water bottle. For me, it looks tacky. It looks yeah. like a piece of corporate merchandise. Yeah. So if you think about Apple, think about how small they, yeah. they do stuff, you know? And so we use a very small logo. We don't even use the words. Our packaging is a different story. It really talks about the brand and there's a lot more going on, but the product itself, uh, we, don't, we just don't do that kind of stuff. But what we did though, um, we basically went and found an industrial designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some sketches and said, this is what we kind of want. Then you work through concept stages with them. Then you go and find a manufacturer to, to make a mold yeah. uh, so that you can produce the product. And then you might find that the mold costs are too high or the design doesn't work. So you go back to the drawing board. So it takes, yeah. for us, that this product took us about a year in development of going back and forth with designers and you know, getting that mold made, doing the first production run, quality control testing, getting it right, yeah. took us quite a while. Okay. Um, but what that means is, you know, you get people, there's already, I, I'm not gonna name them, but there's already a couple of copycat type products out there, but this is where the brand stuff comes in. Yeah. So because now we do have a strong brand and we have thousands and thousands of customers, generally what happens with us now, and I'm bragging a little bit, we find that we put out our own products mm-hmm. and we usually have one to two years where we do very well with those products. We can sell at a higher profit, no one's competing with us, and then you get all the copycats coming into the market. Yeah. And you know what keeps people coming back is the brand building. So definitely, totally agree with you on the brand building front, especially in this time now. Yeah. Um, it's like I you said- it's gonna get more and more Yeah, yeah you need, you need a strong brand, 100%. Yeah. So yeah, but that's been a big learning for yeah. us, learning how to manufacture and all of that. You still can go the white label route to start yeah. with, and if you were going to start out and you had no experience in doing your own development, and it's yeah. also expensive, so a mold for a product like this might cost you twenty thousand, twenty to thirty thousand US dollars yeah. just to create the mold. Yeah. 
and then you yeah. do another product good. Yeah. Um, spare parts, big part of your business, or and, yeah. and that might be an opportunity to get people ultimately back to your website because, or do you sell them on Amazon as well? Yeah, so we don't sell spare parts on Amazon or on our website. So what we do is Amazon's actually taught the whole world that they can buy products online, use them, play with them, and just change their mind and send them back for a full refund. Okay. And so one of the things you need to factor into those numbers that we were talking about before is returns. So it's beautiful, actually, i got to say. Yeah, it does look nice. This is an incredible yeah, background as, now, as a quarantine office here. As the sun says, it is warm, though. <laughs> I don't know whether it's just because we're doing an interview, but yeah. I am sweating bullets yeah. here. But... Um, Basically, uh, we've worked out over the years that about five to six percent of everything we sell gets returned. Okay, and we're constantly trying to improve the quality of the products with quality control tests well, and there's so many other reasons, right? But right. we've found that, like I said, people just return it just because they changed their mind. Yeah. So then you end up with all this returned inventory, and Amazon sometimes determined that it's good enough to just resell. They just put it back on the shelf. That's actually a problem for us because. If people open the filter, the outer, so sorry, the plastic wrap on the filter even, yeah. Amazon might not realize that it should have a plastic wrap. Yeah. And they okay. resell it, then you get people thinking they got a used product. Yeah. But what we do is we remove all of the returned products from the Amazon warehouses. Okay. Back to our what they're actually our returns warehouses. So instead of our main warehouse where we also ship from for our Shopify store and mm-hmm. other channels, it doesn't have um, well, it's not cost effective to have someone receive those goods back re-figure out what can be sold as parts, basically deal with product by product. Yeah. So we've basically hired people in the US, Canada, UK, basically people that work from home, they have a spare space like a garage. Mm-hmm. We will kit it out with shelving and packaging equipment and all of that stuff. And we basically create these little returns warehouses okay. where anything that can be repackaged back into a brand new product, resold, gets sent back to Amazon or to our warehouse and sold different to a different channel. Okay. But things that can't be resold usually get used as spare parts. Um, So there are things that people break or whatever. Um, But we also use a lot of our returns as uh, ways to keep customers happy. So if someone's not happy with something, you mentioned before the reviews are so Mm -hmm. critical, not only will we send them the product that they've complained about, we'll send them two other products as well because that's a write-off to us anyway. But it gets that person thinking, wow, these guys are awesome. And then we get the reviews. So... It's just part of the cost of doing business. These how days. much customer service do you get? I mean, how many people do you have to come? I mean, if you sell 400 products a day, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I know a few people that like, no matter what they buy, they reach out, they send some messages. Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with the volume? Yeah, so um, the first thing with, with Amazon, first of all, they provide the customer service. So if someone buys the product online off Amazon um, and they have a problem with it, they usually contact Amazon. Okay. We encourage them to contact us because our products are a little bit technical. People have questions like, how much fluoride does the filter remove? Or when do I need to change my filter? They have specific questions. And Amazon's customer service do the best they can, but they're dealing with millions of different products a day. There's just no way. All they really are doing is processing returns and giving people their money back and stuff like that. So we contact the customers when they purchase um, to make sure they're happy with the product. You know, you can encourage reviews. Amazon allows you to do that. There's rules around that though too. Um, and so, yeah, basically that's sort of um, yeah. how we get on that part. And the rest you handle personally or who's, um, who's sorry, yeah. that? Yeah. So, th- so we, we started out with one customer service person doing two hours a day out of the US. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly now we have, she's now actually um, my, my right-hand lady. Actually, she, she runs, she's my platform manager. She deals with all the big platforms. She's amazing now. So she now works with us full time. She's essentially a manager in the business. She has two other full time customer service people, and between the three of them, they manage twenty four seven support globally. And we actually deal with so we have people in the Philippines that do all the email type stuff, mm-hmm. and people in the Philippines that deal with all the chat on the website. You know, people can just yeah. say quick questions or whatever, and then the people in the US deal with the phone calls. Mm-hmm. And we actually only get phone calls in the US. So in places like Amazon, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, because of the language differences and stuff, they prefer to email you because oh, it's okay. easier they to deal with call the, the shop in yeah. the US or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, they might yeah. call Amazon, yeah. but usually if they call Amazon and they don't get they want, then they'll email us. Yeah. And Amazon also make it easy where on your product listing, um, it actually says, ask a question to the seller. So before, if there's questions like, how long does the filter last or yeah. things like that, we often get asked those by the customer 
before they buy. Mm -hmm. And so some of that gets done early on, but, but it is a busy job. Um, yeah. Amazon also score you. So you have, you, this is something I was going to touch on earlier. You have metrics. So you've got to get back to that customer in like under 24 hours. Otherwise Amazon will penalize you, which can affect rankings and sales and all these things. Yeah. So we try to respond in four hours, basically 24 seven. But again, a great ways, great opportunity to outsource kind of some of this in-source, outsource some of the service like to the Philippines, places yeah. that uh, cost a little bit less money than maybe doing all of this in the US. We're going to take a quick break because mm -hmm. this was absolutely fascinating. And then I'm going to ask you, this has been the longest podcast I've ever done in my life already. But we look so good in this, this sunset here. <laughs> um, then I'm going to ask you some of the questions that I usually ask entrepreneurs about yeah. how to stay happy and how to stay healthy. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with part number two mm -hmm. of how to sell on Amazon and still stay sane at the same time. Great. Cool.